Hello, I'm Melanie Haynes and welcome to the first episode of the Daily Days podcast. Today we're joined by Michael Barrett, who is the editor of The Local Denmark, an English language news website. We talk about his experience as an expat in Denmark, but also the role English language news has for expats sitting in a new country. Now on to our chat. Right, welcome to the podcast today, Michael. Thank you. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Uh, yes, I work as a, an editor for the local Denmark and the local Norway, uh, which are online news sites um, in English based on uh, news and uh, culture and lifestyle in Denmark and Norway. Okay, so how long have you lived in Denmark? I've lived in Denmark since 2007. Um, came here uh, um, to work and study. Uh, completed all my studies here. Uh, I studied Middle East studies and journalism at Aarhus University uh, and then got into working for the local after that. Okay, did you do any like student writing or anything? Uh, I worked for a magazine called Time Out in Beirut um, as part of my exchange semester while I was studying as well as part-time and freelance blogging and writing. Okay. Also for the local. And are you still living in Aarhus? I've actually just moved to Copenhagen, but that was after 10 years of living in Aarhus, so okay. I had a long time there. Um, How are you finding the transition between the two cities? Well, fortunately, Copenhagen's a great place to be. I really like it here, um, and uh, uh, I think it's a fairly easy transition to make between the two cities. Having said that, I've got a lot of affection for Aarhus. It feels kind of like a hometown, having lived there for so long. I certainly miss it and have a lot of friends there as well. Yeah. So it is an exciting new challenge to come here. Okay, did you find finding somewhere live, to live? Tough or? I have, haven't uh, tackled that yet. Okay. Uh, I'm current, currently staying at my girlfriend's um, and uh, hopefully that will come over the next couple of months or so. It's a challenge uh, for me like it is for everyone else, I think. Yeah, it is tough in this city. So as you say, you're the editor of the local in Denmark and Sweden. Uh, Norway. Norway, sorry, Norway. Um, and it's part of a, a wider news network in Europe. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it, it's, as you say, a news network that covers nine European countries where the concept is uh, the local news in English. Uh, it's actually been going for a while. It started in 2004 in Sweden, but the concept, I think, is still pretty unique. Uh, the site is called The Local, and then the domain name is the domain of that country. Uh-huh. I don't think there are any other organisations that have that concept. Um, in terms of content, uh, the primary idea is that it will be local news from that country that's in English. So news that you won't necessarily get about the country in question by using Uh, international media organisations, news that you might only be able to access usually if you have language skills, but of course this is in English, so that's our, our USP, as it were. I think it's great. I think that it's very important. Um, you know, people are obviously coming to countries and trying to learn the local language, but to get up to speed fast enough to be able to, you know, really feel like you're understanding the local news is quite tough. Um, so you obviously feel that it's important for English-speaking communities outside of, of you know, England or the US to be able to read the news? Yeah, well, important for non-local language speaking communities. I think our our target audience is is, is twofold in a way. We um, write news for people that are based in, in Denmark, for example, or Norway or whichever the country is, uh, that would be news that's relevant to them as, as, as it would be relevant to anybody living in that country, politics and, mm-hmm. and sport and so on. Um, and then we write a lot of cultural features, which would be interesting in a broader sense. Um, somebody in the US or in the UK that's interested in Danish culture or what's going on in okay. Denmark or in, for example, how Denmark 
is convert into green energy, just to give one example of something that happens in Denmark that's interesting in other countries. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that we we tend to, to um, put a lot of energy into covering because it's, a, it's something that makes Denmark interesting for, for outside readers. Okay, so when you look at your readership, you could obviously see where people are coming from reading it. Presumably it's predominantly from Denmark, but what other countries do you see a lot of readers from? Well, in Denmark, then yeah, primarily Denmark, and then you would have uh, English-speaking uh, countries. The UK would be the first one, and the US would be the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, but also people in 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 third language countries uh, that wouldn't be able to read the news in Danish mm-hmm. as well. Um, so it does have quite a broad um, a broad scope in that sense. Yeah. Do you feel that? Um, I mean, you probably get a sense of of the expat sort of Facebook forums and and the discussions that there and there's often a lot of negativity about Denmark. Do you see the local in Denmark as their role to sort of counteract that or to help people understand the culture a little more so that they perhaps don't have such a negative view? I think perhaps it can indirectly counteract it by offering some sort of perspective or um, or objective uh, viewpoint on, on what's going on here. I think it's quite natural for people to express their frustrations perhaps if they're moving to a new country and trying to find works, overcome bureaucratic challenges, all the things mm. that expats face. Uh, it's perhaps a, a natural outlet for people to express their frustrations or cynicism or whatever through social media. So it can it can seem when you're an expat yourself and when you're reading what other expats are writing as if people are having a bad experience, but that's not necessarily the case. So I think by by offering a news channel that is a service for expats in some form but presents it from a uh, as local a perspective as mm-hmm. possible it, 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 it might help to counteract that having said that we are a news organization so it's not a primary objective I would no say. do you get a lot of interaction actually on the the website itself you know when you post up a news story is there often discussion after the story because I noticed that uh, when you post up the stories on social media, Facebook, for example, there's often a lot of discussion there. Mm. Does that come across onto your discussion boards and, and your comment? Well, we actually um, took down our discussion boards from the website uh, because of trolling. Um, it was uh, taking a lot of resources to moderate it, so we decided to keep it to Facebook, which was actually a more popular platform yeah. for people to comment than, than on the website itself. Um, and even on Facebook you get a lot of negative uh, comments and, and name calling and so on I think that's a phenomenon that's certainly not just restricted to no I think it's the anonymity of the internet in a way you, you can say things to people there that you would never say to their faces that's true uh, yeah. or in a, in a discussion with other people around and, and it seems like a safe way to, to make those comments and yeah. I often find that if you call people out on a negative comment they'll back down quite quickly and say, oh, oh, I didn't really mean it, it came across wrong. So, But I think it's good to, to generate that discussion. And on Facebook, it takes it into an area where it's a wider, a wider audience talking about the issues. That's true. It's absolutely true. And it's, that's been our experience as much as, as anybody else's. You can have reasonable discussions with people on there as well. Um, and it, does, it, is, it has been our experience that people respond to the stories that we post Mm. Um, in a positive way and then hopefully it means that those people that are, that are seeing those stories that are following us on Facebook are learning something yeah. about Denmark 
through commenting and, and interacting. And I think also it shows the different sides of Danish life as well. Um, you know, if you're reading the local, you can see that there's the political side, but there's also a cultural side and there's also a fun side. So it, it covers it all. Yeah, and we we publish stories that are offbeat as well as serious hard news stories. And people with different perspectives comment, Danish people comment on there as well. It's mm. not just expats and expats with different points of view, people who speak English as their first language, as well as uh, people that have moved to Denmark for study or... Um, people that have come from Eastern Europe that also use it, people that have different uh, perspectives on what it is to be an expat in Denmark um, mm. that perhaps wouldn't necessarily uh, have that platform with which to con- come into contact with each other. Um, so, yeah, I yeah think perhaps that is one a- aspect of it that, that connects people. And obviously it's an online uh, resource. Here in, in Denmark and in Copenhagen, there are two other English language uh, news outlets, both of which carry print copies as well as their uh, websites. Now, obviously, the whole concept of the local as a franchise and as a, as a, a news outlet is that it's web-based. Do you think that there are pros and cons to just being online? Or do you think... I mean, I, I read The Murmur as a paper, but I also read it online. Um, do you think that it's good to just be online? Um, as you say, there are pros and cons of both um, and the, um, the, the shift of, of news and media to being digital is something that's been well documented. People that want to spend more time uh, delving into a subject prefer to read it on paper, mm. whereas uh, in the modern society we live in, if you want to see the headlines, you want to read the news quickly, you'll do it digitally as a, as a general rule. Um, I read The Murmur as well and I think it's a really nice product I like it I enjoy it and it's uh, it's not a direct competitor for, to the local I don't no. think because uh, it's two different ways of of, uh, of consuming your news um, and uh, it, it offers uh, something different to we do yeah I think they have a lot more long-form pieces um, exactly yeah and the future of, of journalism and the media arguably is that it's going to be a combination between uh, print and digital um, whereby you'll have subscriptions for both. Um, it won't be f- it won't be free to read digital media. There'll be some form of subscription Payable. that will become Im- implemented, and that will drive up quality in the same way that paying for a uh, a print newspaper means that you're paying for something that you choose because of its quality. Yeah. So there there is a future for both, um, and hopefully a future where where uh, the the, the model, the business model of both forms of media drives up the quality. Um, talking more about sort of expat life, because obviously you are an expat living here, what do you see as uh, the biggest challenge for expats coming to, we'll talk about Denmark because that's, that's where we're both based, but what do you think is the biggest challenge at the moment? Well, I think it's a difficult question to answer because in my experience the challenge depends on the individual and the individual situation, but in a broad sense, I think expats all face to some extent, um, regardless of the reason that they've moved here, the challenge of finding a network or an, yeah, a network that can stand in for the network they had at home uh, and then a place to live uh, and work, pr- mm. uh, providing they haven't come here because of a job. Um, and those three big obstacles that you face in the, in the early years of your 
uh, life as an expat are difficult to get around and people tackle it in different ways. On a personal level, what, what did you find challenging when you first came here? Well, I came here uh, without a job and it was difficult for me to find work and I didn't have the language to start with either. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a network either, actually. Um, the, I built up my network through a local expat football team, which meant that my friends, the first couple of years I lived here, were all English, mm-hmm. uh, or at least not Danish. And then a little bit further down the line, once I became more established, found work where I was speaking Danish at work, and then started studying. Mm-hmm. Then, particularly with the studying, I quickly built up a strong network of, of uh, Danish friends. And then I had both, and I think it's healthy to have, have a balance in that way. Yeah. Um, it certainly helps you to feel settled and at home and feel some sense of belonging if you have local friends who can give you that kind of insight or access to the local yeah. culture and local habits. But at the same time, it's quite easy. Once you've been, once you get over five years, then you start, well, in my experience, at least start to feel a certain sense of longing or feel as though you've somehow become detached from your own country or culture. That's interesting. Um, if you have been away from it for too long you perhaps go back once every six months or so on and things haven't changed that much but you don't feel part of it you don't feel as if you're part of what has changed anymore I would agree I mean I find when I go back to the UK I feel I'm not sure whether it's me that's changed or the UK has changed or a combination of the two I mean I've lived here 10 years Mm. Um, and when I go back to to England I, I notice things like how busy places seem. You know, I have to queue in the supermarket when there's more than four people in front of me. And and I just feel that it, it seems very, very busy compared to here. But I think you're right. You do get that disconnect with life there. I, I look at just friends' lives in England and it, it seems so separate from my life here, yet we're the same age, we've all got kids. You know, on paper, our lives look quite similar. But we're so different, um, and I do. I find that there is that disconnect when I go back. But I, I think I'm quite comfortable with that. Right. Um, and I've never been particularly homesick for the UK. Um, I lived in Germany for a while, and I was more homesick for here, Copenhagen, than I was than I've ever been for the UK. Hmm. And I'm not sure whether that was because we made such an active choice to move here, um, and it was something that we were very enthusiastic about doing. Um, but I hear from a lot of expats that they go back quite quickly after they first moved here and it makes their integration a little harder um, in the UK because, uh, sorry, in, in Denmark because they go back and they're like, oh, I miss this and I miss that. Whereas if you go back maybe after eight months or nine months, you're a little bit more settled and comfortable in your new life and you can see the UK in a, a more nostalgic way perhaps yeah yeah I think there's a lot of truth in that um, and of course we're speaking in general terms because people's experiences and the amount of time it takes for people to settle in and so on does vary but once you get over that initial barrier the, mm. the, the really big challenges that you have when you first move then you can feel more comfortable about going home and once you're over those challenges I suppose there's the probability of you of you uh, deciding to move back again yeah do you think uh, you're staying in, in Denmark permanently or well, I would be happy to stay in Denmark permanently. We can put it that way, I guess. Um, I have a job here that I really like and have my entire life here. And my career prospects uh, are kind of focused around being in Denmark, I mm-hmm. suppose. Um, at the same time, do have that kind of, a, maybe you can call it a secondary uh, longing or homesickness in some way, in that I miss being part of 
what's going on in England and feeling part of English culture. I think it's that sense of feeling a part of it that yeah. that perhaps you come to miss in the long term, rather than rather than uh, wanting to be back in your hometown or okay. back in your own country and watching English TV, yeah. watching Coronation Street every night and that kind of thing. <laughs> it's perhaps more of a sense of, of feeling a part of it mm. um, when you've been away for a long time and don't feel that you're contributing to or being part of what's going on in that society that that uh, you were raised in and it's a part of who you are. I think perhaps perhaps that is at the core of it somehow. So with those feelings in mind, I would certainly like to live in England again, even if it's not permanently, even if it's for a year or two yeah. at some point in the future. But just having an everyday life there is something I would like to do again. It's mm. been over 10 years since I've done it. Mm -hmm. um, and when I do go home to visit, I really feel comfortable there and at home there. And, okay. and uh, It's interesting, so like you've used it. the word home quite a lot mm. when you were speaking then about you know going home. And so you obviously still have quite a strong affinity to the UK as your home, um, which is quite quite interesting because I, I find that some some expats really want to separate, you know, this is my home now where I live and that's where I've come from. And then you get the flip side of still seeing it as, as going home uh, when you, you return to the UK. Yeah. What, what do you think you miss? I mean, everybody asks me, what food do you miss? What do you miss from the UK? And I think after a while you find alternatives, but I still, love my marmite and my husband still want, you know likes drinking English tea before we started the interview we were talking about tea I mean there are certain things that you forget about and then somebody sends you them in the post or, or you you go back and you have them and you go, oh, I really remember this so is it the, the things that you you miss that you were fond of that you can't get here or have you found over the time that you've compensated I think you're right in saying you find alternatives I mean there are things English things that I uh, still enjoy and I bring back with me when I go there, tea being the prime example. Mm. I still drink tea all the time, shortbread biscuits, oh, yes. cheddar cheese, that yeah. kind of thing. But I think the, the, the sense of, uh, of missing England is more an identity mm -hmm. thing um, because your nationality, when you're living in a country, another country, your nationality becomes a stronger part of your identity yeah. than it does when you're at home. And then you kind of readjust when you're back home to not having that as such a big part of your life. But at the same time, I think it maybe is a, is a double-edged sword in some way because your nationality is, is uh, become such a strong part of how you identify yourself and how other people see you um, that it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy in some mm. way. So I think it's rather than being material things like food, which I still enjoy and still mm. bring back with me, but I could go six months without them without noticing I yes. don't think at the same yes. time um, I think it's more some underlying on some underlying emotional level mm. uh, that that for me personally anyway it might not be the same for everyone but for me personally it makes me yeah. feel that way it, it sort of frustrates me sometimes when people say that because you live in a country then you need to completely assimilate yourself to that country and, and kind of lose who you actually are um, my grandmother moved from Poland to England after the Second World War and while she went and learned English and she worked um, in an English workplace, she was still Polish. She went to the Polish club, she cooked Polish food, you know, that's, that's who she was, that was her identity. But she didn't, she didn't throw that out just to become British, she managed to be both. To a certain extent, and and I, I look at her as a lesson for for me as a as an expat. You know, I can speak Danish, and I feel quite an affinity to Denmark and the Danish way of life. But I'm still British, 
Um, and I think it's very important, I've written about this a number of times, but I think it's very important that we don't just say, you know, all this when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Yeah, that's fine to, to fit in, but you can't deny who you are and where you've come from. And to do that is, you're doing yourself an injustice. Um, and particularly if you have kids, it's important that your kids know about where they've come from, you know, where their family background is. Uh, I, I said to my husband, you know, our son, he's not going to have the experience we had growing up. And my husband pointed out, unless we had a time machine and went back to the 1980s, the experience still wouldn't be the same in the UK. But perhaps we would understand. I think sometimes you, you're having to understand things much more in a foreign country or a new country that would just be in your head. Um, and I think a lot of expats struggle with that side of, of having to discover things that are just a given. Um, if, if you're in your own country and also when you speak to Danes and you ask them to explain things they look at you sometimes a bit strangely because it's just something they just know um, but you don't know you haven't had generations of people doing these things behind you um, so I think it's I think it's it's right what you say you, you do need to keep both sides both sides of you there you mentioned uh, networks what what advice would you give to to new expats coming here I mean it's very much a network based culture particularly in the workplace and, and finding out things, what ways would you say are the best ways to actually build those networks? Well, as you say, Denmark is very much a network and society and committee-based country that I think to make Danish friends and to have a Danish network, that is the best way to do it. Join a network or join a society, um, be part of something. Mm. Um, Danes love doing things in community. So, for example, join a running club or go to yoga or mm -hmm. go to evening classes or mm. something like that even that might not be a I mean that's not a um, by the numbers uh, do this and you'll have Danish friends yeah doesn't always work that way of course and people have their own lives and their own problems and they might want to go straight home after their yeah. evening class um, but being part of something I think is probably a good piece of advice to mm -hmm. give at least because it's something that that uh, is an important part of Danish culture yeah. and Danish society um, as I mentioned earlier I think it is also important to um, have contact with people that you can at least share some of your experiences uh, with. So that does mean people that have moved to Denmark at some point or have a background in the same country as you perhaps or have a background in a country that isn't Denmark. Mm. Even people that have moved here for a different reason who volunteer with organisations that uh, help asylum seekers or refugees or that kind of thing. That's also another way to build a network meet Danes as well as um, people from other countries uh, and gradually build up a network that way but I suppose it's it's something that you could apply to, to anywhere really get involved with things and do things in your yeah. in your spare time that brings you into contact with other people but it is more important when you move to a place where you don't know anybody whether that's a foreign country or just a different part of your own country mm. it's a it's a, a a rule of thumb that I think is, is pretty valid wherever you apply it. I often say this when people, you know, if I moved from London to Manchester, I wouldn't know anybody in Manchester. We'd all speak the same language, but they would already have their networks, already have their friends. And, you know, it's tough wherever you move and you have to put yourself out there. When I was first learning Danish and I really, really wanted to practice my Danish, I used to watch when my neighbours came home from work and I would sit out in the yard with my Danish books um, and just kind of capture them and have very, very simple conversations with them. But I had to do that. I couldn't practice Danish by sitting in my apartment. I had to talk to people. And you have to, I think, sometimes push yourself out of your comfort zone and do things that you wouldn't normally do at home 
and meet people and talk to people. And uh, I'm very much a believer in, you know, you get what you put out there is what you get back. So if you go out there with a smile and you go out there to be friendly with people, then human nature means that that will come back to you um, at some point, at least. So uh, so living in Denmark is, is something you're planning on doing for a while and, and it's something you like. If you could live anywhere else in the world, where would you choose to go? I think and you can't be, go home to England. I think so. it would, yeah, okay, in that case, it would have to be somewhere warmer, somewhere like uh, Argentina or... Uh, yeah, a Latin American country with a, a warmer climate. I'm a big fan of Latin American culture, okay. Middle Eastern culture as well. I lived in Lebanon for a little while. Um, and as well as the, the easygoing outside nature of the cultures there and the good food, um, mm. the good weather is uh, an enormous advantage over Denmark. Yeah. As much as I love Denmark. Um, Couldn't accuse it is, of being good weather here. <laughs> no, and it's, it's also noticeably worse than the weather or the climate in the southeast of England where I come from. Yes. So I every year I get disappointed about the summer, even though I should be prepared for it by now. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think if I was gonna, if I had my pick of anywhere else, I, I must admit it seems perhaps a little superficial. But I, I think the weather, weather would would play quite an important yeah, role. Yeah, I in think that sometimes Danish summer dangles a carrot. You know, you'll have one fabulous summer, and then you have to live on that for the next four summers. Yeah. Afterwards, so uh, yeah, weather isn't isn't great. Um, well, I think we're kind of getting to the end. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but would you like to tell people just where they can, the website address for the local? I'll put it in the show notes as well, but just... Okay, great. Yeah. Um, well, it's the local.dk. Okay. Pretty simple. simple. Um, and if you're interested in, uh, local news in other countries, then you just change the DK with the domain name of that country, for example, SE for Sweden, NO for Norway, DE for Germany and so on. Um, you can follow us on Twitter as well. It's just at the local Denmark. Okay. Um, is that your most active social media place, would you say? Twitter rather than Twitter Facebook? And Facebook. Twitter yeah, and Facebook. Yeah, we post all okay. of our stories on both. Okay. You're um, not so on Instagram? We're not on Instagram, actually. Okay. No, we, we haven't uh, branched into that okay. yet. But um, yeah, we can be found easily on Facebook and that's probably... Okay. A, a good place to start. So people start reading and commenting and you know yeah, and more than welcome. getting getting involved. Yeah. So. Well that's great. Thank you so much for your time today. Pleasure. It's been really interesting and uh, good to hear a perspective from another another uh, Brit from the southeast of England. So thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Since recording the episode, the murmur is no longer printed, but you can still access their articles online. Thank you for listening and see you next time when I'll be chatting to Melanie Fiesler about supporting expat women and men in getting back into the workplace. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love it if you take a moment to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. You can also find out more from me at my blog, dialydays.com and on my website, Daily Days Welcome. Until next time, bye for now.